Welcome back to That's Gotta Be Wrestling, episode four. We're discussing Worlds Collide 2020, the NXT versus NXT UK pay-per-view that took place January 25th, 2020 at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas with a crowd of, again, question mark, because much like last week, all my research led me to no crowd data because that seems to be just a Vince McMahon thing where he cares about crowds. Triple H doesn't really seem to give a shit. We are back again with the pre-COVID era, in theory, of WWE programming in 2020. Um, this is the second, third to last, no, second to last show we'll have before we get no crowds in wrestling, so buckle up, because yes. we don't know when we'll be able to see those again. But again, my name's Tommy, and joining me, as always, is my fantastic partner in crime. Olivia. Yeah, excited to discuss this show. Absolutely. No, I actually, I was really excited for this when this, uh first aired just because I love NXT and ever since they launched NXT UK I've loved that brand extension as well so I knew that like we were going to be prepared for some like great wrestling um but I'm just we're gonna just get into why this pay-per-view is fucking awesome yeah um we watched this live this actually took place the day before the Royal Rumble which was our episode two weeks ago our episode two um, again, I said we wanted to do the Royal Rumble second because it was our first date in theory. So, well, not in theory, in, in actual general. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was an important show for us. But now we've backtracked a little bit. Last week we did the NXT Blackpool 2, and this week we're doing the Worlds Collide. And next week we're actually doing NXT TakeOver Portland, so three NXT shows in a row, and none of them disappoint. Um, but... You always want to start the shows with a question for me, so hit me with it. Yes. Okay, so we got into a conversation uh, while watching this pay-per-view again for this podcast about um, witnessing injuries. Specifically, the one we were talking about was when Tegan Knox got injured Ugh. in the Mae Young Classic match that she had against Rhea Ripley, where Tegan had already had injured one of her kneecaps, and then during that match injures her other kneecap and is basically, like, unable to wrestle, like, and finish the match. And it's later revealed that, like, she was actually supposed to win that match and was supposed to progress on into the Mae Young Classic, but unfortunately yeah. was unable to do so due to those injuries. She's supposed to win the whole tournament. Yeah. And so uh, I just... And we, we see later on uh, how injuries can affect... Uh, the outcome of matches and the way that matches happen. But my question to you is, is in all of your years of watching wrestling, what is the most gruesome wrestling injury that you've witnessed while watching it? Okay, so normally I have to think about an answer, but this one's really easy. Um, I believe it was the Sin, WCW Sin 2001. It was one of the last WCW pay-per-views, and it was Sid Vicious, who is a seven-foot man, jumping off the top ropes and landing on his leg and breaking it, bending, he literally broke it and bent it behind his back. And you can watch it on YouTube if you have the WWE Network, which if you're listening to this, you probably do. You can watch it, that pay-per-view. I think it was Sin, I could be wrong. It is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Like his foot turns into Gumby. Oh, and God. Um, have you ever seen it? I have not. Oh, we're gonna watch it after this. Okay. Um, it's horrific. And I hate WCW, especially at the tail end. But for some reason, one of my cousins, Lee, um, told, like, he really wanted to watch it. So we ordered it for some reason. Um, and I'm really glad that was the one we watched because right. I was a 10-year-old boy watching some dude demolish his leg. Right. So it's, it's, it's horrific. 
And again, it kind of goes back to that, like, whole, like, trope of, like, oh, wrestling is fake. But, I mean, but, like, for good or for bad, bad in that case, like, that's definitely something that's, like, you that you can't fake. Yeah. So. He, um, I mean, I, I don't want to say I found enjoyment out of him breaking his leg because I like Sid Vicious. Um, but, wow, that's just kind of a sight to behold. Right. Um, it's always kind of uncomfortable, too, especially, like, the Tegan Knox one you mentioned where they try and continue the match and there's just... Yeah. No way it's going to happen. Um, or when someone gets knocked out and then you're just like, oh, that's not good. Um, or when <laughs> someone breaks their neck like Stone yeah. Cold Steve Austin did before. So it's it's terrible. Um, yeah. There's also the time where Brock Lesnar tried to do a shooting star press and landed on his fucking dome. Because yes. Kurt Angle was three quarters of the <laughs> way across the other side of the ring. Um, so yeah, that's um, it's always uncomfortable when someone hurts themselves. But also, if they're not too hurt, somewhat entertaining... At the same time, I mean, these people get hurt all the time. Um, and we see one of those later, which we'll yes. get into. So, um, there's a little background on this show. Um, they did a Worlds Collide last year with Raw, SmackDown, NXT people kind of wrestling. It was terrible. We're not going to actually cover it Garbage. because it was like five different events that happened throughout the week. Yeah. And it was just random and none of it kind of meant anything this one however was fantastic because like i said they did nxt versus nxt uk we had the opening match uh, which saw mia yim actually lose mia yim from nxt lose to your favorite named lady kaylee ray from nxt uk we actually didn't watch the pre-show because i forgot there was one until i was looking up the results online Oops. so oh crap but kaylee ray won that match so that's one to zero nxt uk on the scoreboard we then opened the show with a nice little package that WWE is known for, um, hyping up the women's title match, the um, dream tag team match that we're going to see, and the eight-man tag team match at the end between Imperium and the Undisputed Era. Uh, but first, we start with uh, NXT member Finn Balor taking on NXT UK member Ilya Dragunov. I also think it's kind of funny because Finn Balor's from Ireland, but he's part of the NXT roster. Um, as usual, we're going to kind of go through the match a little bit um starts off very smooth with some train about uh, chain wrestling to start the match Dragonoff um has i noticed right off the bat Dragonoff has some really cool like red contact lenses yes which i love when wrestlers do that because you don't notice it until you notice it oh it's so dope ray mysterio is known for it kane was known for it um rhea ripley even wears them on occasion yeah she does um Dragonoff goes for a pin but Balor hits him with a disrespectful slap and a drop kick um through the ropes to the outside there's a lot of high-impact offense from both men. A lot of back and forth here. Balor starts going ham on the motherfucker with kicks and uh, punches to the dome. Uh, it's about that. About this point, about two or three minutes into the match, I notice the crowd is kind of dead for it, which is kind of strange since Finn Balor is a huge, hugely popular, uh, popular wrestler. Um, Dragunov then hits a second rope knee to the throat for a two-count. Uh, there is a sweet series of reversals here. Guys going for pinfalls, doing backflip reversals. Finn even lands on his uh, feet from a backdrop. Uh, hits uh, hits Dragunov with a sling blade. Goes for another one, but is hit with another knee and then hit with a deadlift German suplex for a two, uh, two count. Finn then hits a corner drop kick out of nowhere and his finisher, the coup de gras, and a 1916, which is his second finisher if you're playing WWE wrestling games. And gets the three count. So your winner of the match is Finn Balor. And Olivia, what do we think? Okay, I thought this match was pretty epic. Um, I definitely agree with you that the crowd was, like, strangely quiet for it. 
Um, but nonetheless, it was an absolutely like brutal matchup. Uh, I would say that I, okay, I definitely have a side note that I love that Balor had returned to NXT because that move sort of cemented just the fact that NXT is not, is no longer the developmental brand mm -hmm. and is just kind of a third entity entirely. The best one. Uh, exactly yeah, the, definitely the best one. Um, of course, I'm a huge fan of Balor's stumps and of course the coup de gras is just... It's so mind-bending just because it's like, how do you not kill somebody like every time that you do, do that? Do you want to explain that move for people who haven't seen it? Yeah, so basically, uh, I don't know, he kind of has different like vantage points from which he jumps off of, which, because we had a conversation about how like normally he'll like jump off the top rope, um, but there's been instances where he's jumped off like a ladder and done this. So basically what the move is, is he jumps off the top rope uh, and then lands on his like opponent's chest with his feet at the same time and then quickly is able to like launch himself up in the air again uh to then kind of like roll out of the move mm -hmm. like without kill so he like basically stomps on their their chest with both of his feet at the same time at full impact yeah full <laughs> impact and then is somehow able to like roll out of the move before he like you know so he's just it's not just one single jump yeah, but it's like kind of like two different i don't know yeah that, i'm terrible at describing this but uh it's nonetheless just kind of like a spectacular thing and definitely takes a lot of athleticism to do um and so i mean yeah i thought this like definitely was on par with uh balor's previous performances you know the crowd was kind of dead uh but overall i thought it was like a pretty brutal match uh they definitely like flung each other around the ring so um i would say that my final rating is a four out of five uh simply because like balor is just definitely one of the best wrestlers of the modern era his athleticism, his uh, just overall quickness, I guess, in the ring um, to sort of improvise. And uh, I don't know, he's very strategic in the ring, which I appreciate. Uh, and it's very thoughtful wrestling, uh, which definitely makes him and cements him as like a great wrestler in this modern era. Mm -hmm. And what was the grade you gave? Four out of five. Four out of five. Okay, excellent. Um, I'm going to say as an opener, this match was fine. Okay. Um, I thought that while they're both very good wrestlers, um, Dragunov wasn't well known at right. the time. Who's I mean, he's very good. Yeah. Um, and then Finn Balor is, you know, I've seen a lot better showings from him. Interesting. Um, okay. I, I mean, they flowed very well together. There was no mess ups. I just wasn't like excited throughout most of the match until like the coup de gras came. For sure. And like a lot of the kicks and punches because I love just seeing a guy start like beating the shit out of someone for a minute. Like they lose control and I'm just going to punch you in the face 10 times. Um, so I'm giving it a 3.5 just because, okay. like I said, it was, you know, it was a fine match. Yeah. It was nothing great. These two aren't going to put on a bad match. Um, the crowd being kind of dead was surprising and kind of took away from it because yeah. they didn't light up until maybe the last two or three minutes and of the match. And you know what's funny is that I actually have that same note about a match that happens later on in the show. Interesting. And we'll just get into a whole conversation then about how crowds can overall affect, like, the outcome of a match. Right. Um, yeah, so solid match, solid opener. Um, we then go to the crowd where um, the <laughs> this is actually pretty funny. So it's a promo between NXT UK um, tag team Grizzled Young Veterans who we saw last week. Um, that's Mark Jacobs and Zach Gibson. Um, and they're getting interviewed about wanting to win the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. And then they are interrupted by the Broserweights which is Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. And Matt Riddle is this laid-back surfer stoner dude, and Pete Dunne is this kind of serious, uh, kind of badass, uptight British guy. Um, so they're 
their interaction is just fantastic. And we get, <laughs> we get a lot of weed references. Um, I can't really remember what the first one is. Oh, he, uh, Pete Dunn says, yeah. let me be blunt. Yeah, let me be blunt. And, and Matt Riddle long starts. Long pause. Long pause. And that gets the crowd going. And Matt Riddle's all excited, like, bro. <laughs> and then he says, your tag team aspirations are going to go up in smoke. Another hilarious joke. I don't know how when Matt Riddle's talking, because he's just like super like, oh, I'm chill and bro, we're going to do this. How Pete Dunn keeps a straight face. Because I would be laughing my ass off. This is a solid promo. Very funny between the two teams. Um, because, again, the Grizzled Young veterans are kind of, like, serious. Like, we're taking this seriously. And Matt Riddle's like, I don't give a shit. Let's smoke some weed. And it was a lot of fun. Um, this didn't happen on a pay-per-view. The match it just happened on a random NXT um, show. So the Broserweights end up winning, which is awesome because Matt Riddle's great and Pete Dunne is great. We then move on to the Fatal 4-Way match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Champion Angel Garza taking on Isaiah Swerve Scott, uh, taking on Jordan Devlin, who we saw last week as well, taking on Travis Banks. And just right off the bat, we get a triple super, super kick from Banks, Devlin, and uh, Scott to uh, the champion Garza. So that is super kick 9, 10, and 11, because you said I should count it as three. Yeah, three different uh, ones. Yeah, so... Um, three different legs. God, how all... Th- yeah, these are all small dudes too, because it's the Cruiserweight Championship, so it's smaller guys. How three people kicked one person is pretty amazing. Um, the synchronicity of it all is yeah, amazing. Yeah, exactly. It takes a lot of timing. Wrestling, a lot of... Ooh, it's, it's fake fighting. Wrestling is a ballet. It's yeah. It's physical. Well, I'm not saying ballet is not physical, but it's like... Extremely... Extremely physical, choreographed ballet yeah. that also just has to have, and I'm putting this in this quotations, fake violence in it. Um, but the timing has to be violence. perfect. Performative violence, exactly. Way better than UFC because I don't want to actually someone see someone beat the right. shit out of someone. Like else. you know, if I, I I just have no interest in I guess like watching somebody get their nose broken for like the twenty third time. Right. Yeah, and like I don't pay to see I don't pay fifty dollars to see a UFC championship fight that could last. 20 minutes or could last 20 seconds because I'm not going to spend 50 bucks on that shit. I'm going to get off my soapbox because everyone in the UFC can beat my ass, so I'm going to shut the fuck up. Although, Back last note on that, I think it's really funny, uh, not to go off on a tangent, but I think it's really funny when, especially, like, in high school, when, like, one friend would, like, actually, like, pay for, like, the UFC pay-per-view or whatever, and then you'd, like, come over, you know, you'd have food, you'd hang out, and it'd be, like, a whole night, and then you sit down to watch it, and then it's, like, a solid, like, 45-second match. And then after it's over, you're just kind of all sitting there like, okay, that's it. All right, let's wrap it up, everybody. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Do you know what my favorite thing about UFC is? What's that? Yeah, we give Brock Lesnar a lot of shit, right, for his, like, kind of non-caring attitude in wrestling. But I love that a WWE wrestler, the, the people that everyone calls fake, went into UFC, whooped ass for three years, held their title... And then was like, I'm done with it. Right. And he dropped the title. Yeah. So for all the people who say wrestling's fake, a wrestler held your fucking company up for ransom for three years. So I'm going to give Brock Lesnar all that credit. Uh, fuck Jimmy John, though. Anyway, <laughs> so the match starts with the super kicks. Again, super kick 9, 10, and 11. Um, multi-man matches, really hard to call up. So I'm just going to go through a lot of the big spots. There's a lot of high flying, a lot of top rope sayucitos, a uh, split leg moonsault, which I haven't seen in forever. Garza hits a major top rope dive on all the competitors, which I love seeing in multi-man matches where they just take everyone out. Um, there is a missile dropkick low pay, which you don't see very often, and then multiple cannonballs into the corner from uh, Travis Banks, who got a lot of offense here. I know you weren't familiar with him, but he showed great resiliency in this match. Um, 
Banks then lands right the fuck on Devlin's dome with a knee drop, which looked really scary. Um, Garza takes control of the match and starts hitting people um, with a lot of high-flying hurricanas. And then Angel Garza is known for wearing um, long pants in the ring until he really starts to get going. And then he rips them off in a fit of joy and he's wearing trunks underneath. So I've made a note where it's like, yes, he finally took his pants off. Which anytime he has a match is going to be a joke going forward because I love when Angel Garza takes his pants off. Uh, we get a This Is Awesome chant. Garza, Devlin, and Scott on the top rope, and Devlin hits a double Spanish fly off of the top. Uh, starts for a pin, but then Banks hits him with his finisher, the Kiwi Crusher, for a two count. The final sequence is a... All right, so Isaiah Scott has Travis Banks on his shoulders, and Angel Garza goes to the top rope and hits a drop kick, which then has Banks turn that drop kick into a Dragon Karana reversal, Onto Isaiah Scott, and then as Banks gets up, he gets Angel Garza's finisher, the wing clipper. Devlin gets in the ring, hits a headbutt, and a deadlift German suplex for the three count. New cruiserweight champion, Jordan Devlin. Unfortunately, he had to lose that title because of COVID-19 and travel plans. But man, this was a great coming out party for all four men, really, but Jordan Devlin especially. Um, that last sequence with the Dragon Karana, the dropkick to the Dragon Karana, to the wing clipper, to the headbutt, to the deadlift was all fantastic. Um, Devlin then cuts a promo afterwards saying he's the best wrestler in the world, which, I mean, we've heard from hundreds of people. Yeah. Um, so what do we think? Okay, so I have to give this match major props. So kind of my first note, my first, I guess, uh, considerable note that I made was that this match was incredibly interactive. And what I mean by that is that Fatal 4 way matches uh, tend to have two... I guess structures to them so either early on in the match like somebody like gets picked off and then you're left with less men um to actually wrestle with and or like they kind of divide and conquer so like everybody like teams up mm -hmm. and kind of battles it off but this match I felt was so different and kind of broke away from both of those structures and was extremely interactive I feel like there were wrestlers coming from all different sides and they were all sort of battling it out at once, um, which is incredibly hard to do considering our chor chor choreography uh, comment that we had made earlier, um, because especially when you're kind of thinking of, you know, in those matches, it's harder to plan them out, so you're thinking of more moves just kind of on the spot, and to be able to seamlessly do that is mm -hmm. extremely impressive. Um, and then I would say that the, the structure in being so interactive kind of gives everybody their moment. Um, there's not really a moment where a certain person dominates, but everyone kind of gets that like moment to shine, which I thought was awesome. Um, I love Garza, Garza's dives. They were epic. And then... He looks um, like he's moving in slow motion. It's right? Amazing. Yeah. I feel like he flies like forever, but then lands so gracefully. It's awesome. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot more about Angel Garza, too, because he's on Raw now, and he's yeah. teamed with Andrade Cien Almas, so... Which is perfect. Yeah. Um, and then there was one moment that I was like, oh my god, that's so dangerous, um, where Devlin, like, launches himself onto, like, Scott and Banks, like, at the same time. And I'm like, uh... Like, I, I get panicked when, like, moves <laughs> like that happen. But nonetheless, like, pretty epic. Um, and then I guess just overall, like this match gets major props just because of the fact that it broke away from those two major like fatal four way uh, structures. And then also because it's hard to kind of be the second match in the card just because you and I had mentioned um, as we were rewatching this how hard it is. Uh, to kind of capture the audience's attention 
after the first match occurs because there's so much energy expended from the crowd mm -hmm. within that first match that it's hard to kind of follow it up and get the crowd even more riled up. But it seemed like they were way more excited when this match was going on than the previous match uh, with Finn Balor. So I just, I don't know, like major props for like, you know, putting on a fantastic show and somehow being better than the opening match. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say, yeah, my rating, final rating is a four out of five. Uh, and they totally brought the house down, which I thought was awesome. That's, yeah, I agree. This match was, from the moment it started, just nonstop action. I think the match only went for like 12 minutes. Yeah, and it felt it, like... Perfect timing, yeah. but it was the right amount of time. Everyone got their moment. Um, Travis Banks had a great coming out party. I hope to see... He's hurt right now, I think, at the moment. And again, travel plans. So you're not going to see a lot of him. Um, I'm familiar with the other three's work, but they were still very, very good in the ring. Um... I was really surprised Jordan Devlin won this when it aired. Like, now I remember he won. But when, when it aired back in January, I was like, oh, shit, he won. That's awesome. Um, and every sequence just works perfectly well. Like, when one guy took control, he had it for a good two-minute span. Then it went to the next guy, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Um, I thought that last sequence was perfect. Um, Jordan Devlin's headbutts look gruesome gruesome yeah and you can hear them thud i know it's an act like a leg slap like when they do them they slap their leg to make a sound effect but it just sounds horrific yeah um i gave this match a 4.5 out of 5 i thought it was great it could have went on for another 10 minutes i could have probably been happy but i think it ended at the right time um we are then sh uh get a shot to the audience of the new nxt north american champion keith lee and uh mia yim in the crowd they are dating and they made that into a storyline which i always hate um, even Triple H isn't, um, you know, even he is subject to making stupid storylines sometimes, but, uh, then we, we then cut to Chelsea Green and her little bitch, Robert Stone, uh, making their way to the crowd to sit down. Chelsea Green is supposed to be like this hot new acquisition and Robert Stone is supposed to be like her dorky fucking analyst. Um, I kind of love him cause he's hilarious. She is fine, I guess, but he, he was supposed to bump her up by being her manager, and then he ended up being so much more likable. Right. So it's just like, you know, that was that. They didn't really do anything. They just got shown in the crowd. Uh, we then come to the match that I was looking forward to the most coming into this show. It's a dream match between arguably the two greatest tag teams in NXT slash NXT UK history. DIY, which is the team of Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, versus Mustache Mountain, the team of Tyler Bate and Trent Seven, and just right off the bat, we get Baby Blue number five and six because DIY is wearing my favorite colors for wrestling attires, Baby Blue, and they look awesome. Um, I would say the moment Mustache Mountain's music hits, the crowd goes fucking banana sandwich, and then the moment DIY's music hits, the crowd goes banana sandwich times two electric boogaloo, and we are in from the moment the bell starts to the moment it ends. The match ends. Um, this crowd was off the charts the entire match. Um, we start off with Gargano and Bate in the ring, which is officially a match that I want to see in a solo act now because, God, they're great. I gushed over Tyler Bate a lot last week. I'm going to gush over Johnny Gargano a lot this week. Um, this is the second match that I noticed that starts out with fantastic chain wrestling and a lot of reversal city is what I'm going to start calling this. Where one man goes for a move, the other reverses it so on and so forth, for about a minute to a minute and a half straight. Um, Champa and Seven get tagged in, and Champa starts to make fun of the Mustache Mountain taunt, um, which is when uh, the members of Mustache Mountain twirl their mustache. 
because um, that's what they're known for, hence the name. Um, Ciampa makes fun of Bates' height because Tyler Bates like four foot two in heels, and Tommaso Ciampa is at least five eight. So you know, whatever height differences, making fun of people's bodies, it's great, but it's it's a little funny. We then get super kick twelve from Johnny Gargano to seven. This is where the map really starts picking up. There's a lot of respect going forward, and then they realize, okay, now it's time to get serious. So the respect kind of goes out the window, and I love it. Seven and Bait are thrown over the announce table simultaneously, and we get what DIY is known for, where they sit on the ring apron, start clapping really fast together, start patting each other's backs, and then Ciampa puts Gargano in like a headlock hug because they're best friends and the best of frenemies as well. I'm going to interrupt the match real quick. DIY, I said, is the greatest tag team in NXT history, which is a bold statement to make. But I will argue that if anyone wants to. These guys are a great tag team. They started off as friends. And then they had, in my opinion, the best feud between two members uh, or between two wrestlers and NXT as well. And then they got back together for this dream match, which I thought was awesome. So, like, they hate each other in storyline, but they also, like, respect and love each other, which I think that that just makes for a really good dynamic. Anyway, uh, DIY takes control for about four or five minutes until the hot tag to seven. A hot tag is known when you're getting your ass kicked and then you somehow take advantage for a second and tag in your tag team partner and then they're a house of fire. Um, he chops the absolute dick out of both members of DIY and hits a nasty DDT to Gargano and a big ass power bomb to Ciampa. There's a massive lariat to Ciampa for a two count. Um, Bait gets back in the ring and hits a slingshot spear um, onto Gargano. There is a serious, uh, series of epic pin and two-count kickouts by Bate and Ciampa, and there's also a Tyler Driver 97, which, again, is Tyler Bate's finisher. Um, I mentioned that the crowd is hot for both teams. Like I said, that goes on from the moment it starts from the moment it ends. Standing shooting star press from Bate is countered with knees to Gargano. Um, we get a double airplane spin from Bate and Seven onto DIY. Uh, Mustache Mountain powers out um, of submission holds back into more airplane spins um, as Ciampa and Gargano regain uh, their consciousness. Uh, we get super kick 13 to 7, and while he's down, super kick 14 as well as DIY put down Mustache Mountain with the knee super kick combo. At the end of the match, there is a show of respect of handshakes and hugs between all four men, which is great to see. Um, I'm gonna just interrupt what I but I usually ask you first and just say this match is a fucking five out of five. It was perfect. There was nothing wrong with this match. The timing was great. The wrestling was great. The amount of kickouts was great. The submissions were great. Everything in this match was great. So I'm just saying five out of five. There was nothing I didn't like about this match. And uh, it's one of those matches where I'm like, I don't care who wins. I just right. want to see a great wrestling match. So yeah. what do you think? Sorry okay, that I interrupted so what I normally ask you. Since I don't necessarily have any notes that uh, necessarily criticize this match because there are no criticisms there are no notes uh i'm just gonna like gush about both teams just for a second uh i think that i loved that this match had like the perfect build-up which honestly happens with any match that uh gargano and champa are involved in mm -hmm. um so I, of course like adding mustache mountain into there um they're just kind of so complimentary uh to uh, diy style uh and then i think that i mean each team consists of like very core members of each brand mm -hmm. um so i think it was extremely defining of worlds collide and i think that it was kind of the perfect uh this match and the last match being kind of 
the the center of the whole idea of worlds collide between these two brands which i thought was awesome um this match is like totally like reversal city um which again involves a lot of like quick thinking um to have a match that's that seamless and that many reversals all happening at once uh you know in a in a sequence with uh bait and champa and then again uh with the following sequence uh with bait and gargano gargano that is just like absolutely insane this whole match is insane that's that, that's the word for this match and crazy enough like the crowd only gets like more lit for this match mm -hmm. and it ends up being like one that tops the the previous two matches in this show so again it's just kind of it, not it's not surprising with these two contenders but again it just like again a match that absolutely brings the house down and of course um that is like that's super rare with any pay-per-view and it's not so surprising with nxt uh but i mean i guess in the modern era of wrestling it's hard to have not only a quality, consistent pay-per-view, but a pay-per-view that gets better with each match. So I, that is much appreciated. Um, overall, actually, I believe, I believe this is the first five out of five I've given a match thus far, but it's a five out of it five. Is. And I put my only note to that is, is that this is a tag match. Yes. This is a tag match. These, these all four guys are just, I'm not going to say they're the best wrestlers because I have certain favorites, but they are the best wrestlers. Like, all four of these guys are great. They know what to do. They've been teaming and wrestling with each other against other people for so long that they just, they nailed it. And it's hard not to see why DIY is considered the best NXT tag team and why Mustache Mountain is considered the best NXT UK tag team um, because of, some would argue, Undisputed Era because they've had, like, three or four tag team title reigns, so that makes them the best in quotations, but it's the story that these guys tell and even though this was a friendly ch match between two great teams the story they told was absolute rivalry right and i loved it anything else on on the match um besides it just being perfect and we can't gush about it enough well yeah I and mean, those baby perfect. blows look sweet but then it's just it's very defining of matches not having to i guess because i kind of drone on about how much I appreciate long-term storytelling, but it's very nice to kind of get that break away from the usual long-term storytelling that happens in NXT, to kind of break away from that, have a fun night of, like, two brands going at it, mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, like, having that build-up for those, like, couple of NXT shows before the right. pay-per-view actually happens, um, but then just, I guess, being able to see matchups like this one that you wouldn't normally see on either show, um, just kind of having that dream match together, um, of course, is not only crowd-pleasing, but it extremely entertaining to watch mm -hmm. um so this match was much appreciated and i feel it's very defining of worlds collide yeah. so it was pretty awesome absolutely um so back to the crowd we have a lot of crowd cuts to wrestlers in this one so mercedes martinez is in the crowd she is um an nxt superstar who is a superstar she's a wrestler i hate the term superstar yeah um i don't know why i said that um she's awesome quick quick note on her um bailey actually uh tweeted something to her saying that she ripped off her ring name from Sasha Banks's real name, which is Mercedes, real first name, and then Bailey's real last name, which is Martinez, so Mercedes Martinez, so that was pretty funny. Um, we then get a shot to Dakota Kai, who is then attacked by Tegan Knox, and the crowd gets pretty fired up for this one because they want to see 
these two fight, um, but they're pulled apart by officials. And then a random shot to Bianca Belair in the crowd who watched this whole thing happen, I guess. <laughs> um, some really weird camera shots, but um, those are four fantastic uh, wrestlers as well who I don't think we could gush enough about all four of them, but none of them are wrestling right now. So we then move on to the NXT Women's Championship match. So from these women to the women's title match between champion Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm of the challenger. Rhea Ripley is the NXT women's champion, but she's Australian. So again, we're mixing, you know, NXT and NXT UK, but Tony Storm is the member of NXT UK. Anyway, um, I didn't have a lot of notes for this one. Um, there wasn't a lot that went on. There was a lot of rest holds. Match started out really choppy. Storm goes for a German suplex into the turnbuckle that looked disgusting because Rhea had snapped her neck back very quickly. Um, there, I thought, were a lot of botches in this match, a lot of um, mishandling of punches and kicks and suplexes. Um, Rhea goes for the riptide. It's countered um, into a pin attempt from a two-count. There's a headbutt by Tony Storm. Tony goes to the top rope for a frog splash but misses, and Rhea Ripley hits the riptide for a three-count to retain the women's championship. This match lasted only eight minutes, um, and it seemed like it did. That's why I kind of blew through all the notes on it, because nothing of note really happened in it. And what do we think? This match was so weird. <laughs> so, like, I guess this match kind of disappointed me just in the sense that I look at these two and I see the female versions of Ciampa and Gargano, where mm -hmm. they've had it like an incredible feud with each other. Mm -hmm. I love it when these two go at it. And this match just fell completely short, and all of the energy that the crowd had built up in the second and third match was completely shot by this match. Yep. And crowd was dead. It's really like cringy when my first note is about that botched move where it's like Storm like throws Ripley into the uh, turnbuckle, and like she kind of like hits her head on the second turnbuckle and then like kind of lands awkwardly on the third turnbuckle and mm -hmm. it just like i don't know what they were like actually going for with that because it seems uh, like a sloppy execution to begin with and of course ended up in like a, a botched move and it was just, you know just very sloppy and then it almost seemed like they never recovered from that move right um and of course with this like dead crowd uh that certainly didn't help i, I did also make a note that there was like a lot of rest holds uh, a lot of, like, you know, fist throwing, but, like, again, not a lot of actual wrestling going on. And even when Rhea hits the riptide at the end and retains, it was sort of like this awkward, quiet ending to the match. It kind of seemed like, you know, when you finally hit that final move and you finally hit your finisher... And you're supposed to have the crowd, like, so built up that it's, like, they go wild when you actually, like, hit your move. And then the three count happens. And then, you like, you know, you, you win. It just, it didn't happen that way. And it was super awkward. And this, honestly, like, I, of course I'm going to criticize for it being the only women's match. Um, but it definitely was the weakest match of the night. Uh, and earlier we had mentioned... Uh, a discussion about how the crowd can greatly sway the success of a match. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that had a direct impact on how well this match went. Because like I said, after they hit that rough spot, 
uh, and kind of fumbled around with each other. They never fully recovered from it because the crowd had, was already pretty much dead at that point. Yeah. Uh, and then after they hit that move, there was really no recovering um, and just with no encouragement from the crowd. Uh, I just didn't think that this match ended up being very successful. Uh, so my overall rating, three out of five. These two are definitely solid wrestlers. Um, and I love them, but both are better performers and have had better matches. Together. Separately and together. Uh, so this was, I don't know, this was a weird one. Three out of five is a passing grade. It is. I mean, but again, you have to think that I'm giving that grade because they're both solid performers. Uh, I think that if one had actually, like, carried the match themselves, maybe my rating might have been lower. Um, because they both kind of, I guess, did a doable job at this match, it's a solid three out of five. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about this because you know Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler of all time, and he's had to wrestle the great Khali on pay-per-view. And just because I know how great Shawn Michaels is doesn't mean I'm going to give him a passing grade when we get to that match. This well, match, I agree. This but... match sucked. There's... I, 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 I don't know what... I give it like a one out of five. Oh, shit. And I okay. love both Ouch. of these women. Rhea Ripley is my personal favorite female wrestler in the company right now probably top 10 in the company right now top five probably this match just sucked like none of them right off the bat even before that botch neither of them kind of just had it going and then you got that botch and there was just nothing of note really i mean the the headbutt was nice i guess um the riptide's a cool move I like Rhea Ripley, I like Tony Storm, and I expect better, and this is what I got, and I was really bummed out, because I wanted to see these two have a, rip, a rematch, Right. because they had one at NXT Blackpool 1 a year ago, and it was awesome, and then this one just really left me wanting a lot more, and I was severely disappointed in it. Um, I thought every match on this was going to get a passing grade from me until I remembered watching this. Damn, and, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. I was, I was bummed, and I hate I hate being the guy who's just like women's match only one out of five, uh-huh. because like sure in the Attitude Era and Ruthless Aggression where they're not actually wrestling, it's just like catfight shit. Those matches are gonna get terrible grades because they're not wrestling matches. See, okay, but uh, I feel like at that point now we have to go into like this whole like point five rating because yeah. and point two five even because that shit was go- hot garbage. Oh yeah, absolutely. Those matches are gonna get horrible grades for me when we get to them, but in the era of like. Honestly, the best women's wrestling that we could ever hope for, and it's only going to get better. And these two put on this crapshoot, that fucking sucked. And if All this right. match would have been Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano and it would have sucked this much, it would also be getting a shitty rating. So, Fantastic. Um, yeah. So I was I was really bummed out. Um, if you're keeping score at home, by the way, NXT is up on UK 3-2. to two. Um, And then we move into our... Uh, oh, no. I, I'm going to give another special thanks to the song of, or of World's Collide. Wage Wage War by Fury. The song sucks like every other song they pick for it, so I just thought I'd make note of that again. I think I might constantly make fun of the songs of the pay-per-view because right. they're all fucking terrible, except for that one Rush song we had back in, like, 2004, which was really good because um, Rush is awesome. Um, and then Johnny Gargano's getting attacked backstage by Finn Balor for reasons. Yeah, the, for some, something significant, I yeah, guess. Yeah, but they never say why. Finn's yeah. just like, I'm better than you, and it's like, okay... Cool. Again, two people I really like. What the fuck was the point of this? Like, what? I don't get it. Like, if Couldn't I had to grade you. this segment, it'd be a one out of five. Couldn't so, tell you. Um, right. So back on to or moving on to our main event, which sees the Undisputed Era, um, led by Adam Cole. Bye bye. 
Um, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong um, of NXT taking on Imperium, uh, consisting of Walter, Fabian Eichner, Martel Bartel, and Alexander Wolf of NXT UK. Um, this was actually set up from our review last week of NXT UK Blackpool 2, where Undisputed Era attacked Imperium at the end of the show. Again, multi-man match. It's going to be impossible to go through every single detail, but I'm going to hit the big moments. Um, it starts off with Imperium taking control right away on Roderick Strong. Lots of quick tags, which I really love to see in matches like this because everyone's working as a team. Um, but then, a scary moment. We see Alexander Wolf get legitimately knocked out in the ring by an errant kick from Bobby Fish. And um, the referee has to kind of stop the match for a second because there's no way he was kicking out because he was knocked the fuck out. Um, so Wolf is actually out of the match the rest of the time. He... Uh, gets sent to the back, and now it's four on three. Um, we get um, Undisputed Era taking control on Martel Bartel for a little bit. Um, O'Reilly starts to get really cocky, and Walter gets tagged in, unbeknownst to him, who starts to clean house. Um, Walter then starts chopping the shit out of Kyle O'Reilly, and you mentioned that Kyle O'Reilly is kind of the Kenny of NXT, so he sells, like, if he gets hit, he's just dead. Yeah. Um, and it's hilarious, because, like, probably how most people would react getting chopped by walter um so i noticed once you said it i kind of noticed it every time he got like yeeted into into something he was fucking dead for a minute it was great um there's a lot of back and forth between the tag teams um (laughs) i noticed that tom phillips our announcer says oh oh o'reilly which was an uh o'reilly auto parts joke and i thought that was fucking hilarious and uh strong is then tagged in and he begins to take out imperium he is then stopped by Chop City, which is now what I'm going to call Walter's Chops. Um, Adam Cole gets tagged in and starts to take it to Bartel. Um, there is an angle slam from Strong to Walter through the announce table, which was pretty awesome. Um, and then you're going to get a lot of super kicks here. We get super kick 15 um, to Martel Bartel. And then as Fabian Eicher um, jumps off the top rope to attack Adam Cole, we get super kick number 16. Um, then Eichner hits a... Top rope springboard moonsault as he gets up onto Kyle O'Reilly as he's about to make Bartel tap out. There's a lot of tags in here. I'm not going to go through every tag because only the legal man can pin the legal man. Um, there's a lot of shit going on. I'm not going to be like, Cole tags in this person, blah, blah, blah. Um, so just bear with me. Um, both leaders get tagged in and Walter... Hi, Rilo. Shout out to my dog who just uh, shook himself right there. Um, both leaders are in the ring, um, Walter and Adam Cole. Uh, super kick 17 and 18 from Cole to Walter... Um, and then goes for a last shot, but it's ducked by Walter, who then hits a massive chop, turning Adam Cole inside out. Um, there's a huge finisher sequence between all members um, of the teams um, with quick two counts that are broken up by other members of the teams. Um, a no man's land, which is the finisher of Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, onto Walter, who um, kicks out and then yeets Fish across the ring with a powerbomb for a three count as everyone else is on the outside. Imperium defeats the Undisputed Era. NXT UK and NXT are tied 3-3, three to three, so no one really won in the Worlds Collide. It was a tie, um, which doesn't happen in war, but here we are. Um, what do we think of this match? So, again, another one of those like really highly anticipated matches, and for good reason. Um, both of these teams are absolutely incredible. Uh, I thought that there were a lot of moments where... Each team was extremely, like, just, 
I don't even know how to describe it other than spectacular. Again, there's no notes for this match because of how epic it was. Uh, I do have to say, again, I noted Walter's athleticism. Uh, there's a late in the match where he actually hits a frog splash, and I was like, holy shit, that was incredible. Because right. frog splashes are known by doing by small people. Right. Yeah. And he's 6'4", so, 300 pounds. Overall, I would say that this match was set up to make Imperium look really good. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, Undisputed Era, of course, had their moments where they would kind of dominate the match. I, I remember at one point, um, like, three of them were going up against uh, Walter himself. Um, but then again, I... I was the first time I watched this. I remember thinking, like, okay, did Wolf actually get knocked the fuck out and like actually taken out? Because I know that like NXT has done this thing where people get quote unquote injured mm-hmm. and then they somehow come back out like later in the match and it's kind of a whole angle. So I remember on first viewing, I was kind of I guess half expecting that, um, but then it, it, I think it was just kind of a weird coincidence that ended up showing that like because Imperium kind of dominated this match for the most part, uh, just, I guess, lent itself to that, like, dominance narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so while it was a complete accident, I think it lent itself well to the way that the match was structured. Uh, but overall, again, a super awesome match. Uh, no notes, because all both teams are fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And 4.5 out of 5. And I thought that it was a fantastic way to end the show yeah i i gave it a 4.5 as well i mean everyone looked good in this match except for alexander wolf unfortunately um because he got knocked out pretty early on um i think this was a big coming out party for imperium and it hopefully brought a lot more eyes to nxt uk so people right. go oh that team's fantastic because we give walter a lot of credit for what he does but fabian eichner for a dude his his size can do like springboard moonsaults and like high rise drop kicks which is insane and the martel bartel is just a submission expert and i love it um and these guys are all great and the crowd was eating this match up and you mentioned that they're both so over with the crowd for different reasons because I guess I worded it as um, Undisputed Era is like the arrogant like showboating team that people are like, oh yeah, that's they're cool. I want to get behind them. But then um, Imperium is kind of the ring discipline. Like this is wrestling. We take this seriously. It's an art form. And the crowd loves that too because it's showboating, which is the entertainment aspect of wrestling versus wrestling, which is the sport part of wrestling. And these eight men in general, um, really just complimented each other. Um, I did have two questions for you that I asked you earlier. Well, I didn't ask you, but I I said I was going to ask you. Um, So do you think that it's fair to say that while the Undisputed Era as a whole is over with the crowd, Walter is the member of his team that is over while the other guys aren't? So, like, Walter is just as over as everyone in the Undisputed Era as a whole, I guess is what I'm asking. I agree with that statement. However, I don't think that the character that Walter is portraying would be so over if he didn't have that sort of team assembled. Okay. Um, just, like, the visual of them entering in on, like, you know, from the ramp and all that kind of stuff. The music, the, the attitude, the, the way that... The, pres- the whole presentation... Uh, itself just I mean I don't think that he could accomplish the same by himself so while I think singularly he is more over than any other member in that team 
Um, he's definitely known most for like this Imperium role. Right. So his ring um, general work. Yes, exactly. Good. Um, there was also a funny thing where Nigel McGuinness, uh, the announcer, accidentally called him Australian, even though he's Austrian, <laughs> and we kind of laughed at that because that's two very different regions. Yeah, two very different places of the world. Yeah, um, I've, I've made that mistake before. Um, okay, and then my second question for you was, with these last three matches, so DIY, Mustache Mountain, Tony Storm, Rhea Ripley, Imperium, and Adam Cole, I wouldn't say there's a huge face-heel dynamic, like they're both... I mean, I guess the last match was heel versus heel because yeah. they were both heels. Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley are both faces. Mustache Mountain and DIY are both faces. Do you prefer a match that has a heel face dynamic or do you not care as long as the match itself is great? So if it's two faces or two heels going against each other, do you just want to see a great match or are you invested in like a heel face dynamic? Like I want to see the heel get his comeuppance. So I think that in terms of the long uh, storytelling... I would say that that's kind of the dynamic that I'm looking for more. But in one of these matches where it's kind of just a dream match, I would love to see these guys match up with these guys, but they're not on the same brand. So, like, it wouldn't normally happen, but in, a, in an instance like this where it's kind of, a, like, a special thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, like, there wasn't any, I guess, prize to be sought after in, I guess, quote-unquote, winning uh, Worlds Collide. It was just more of, like, a collaborative pay-per-view mm -hmm. um especially the wins being even at the end um i don't think it was meant to make any sort of i guess specific members of any brand look better so i think that and of course like there's not a, a serious investment in long-term storytelling with a pay-per-view such as this one so i think that it's just fun to like watch these matchups and not have i guess any sort of serious investment uh in like that sort of heel face dynamic yeah, okay. I agree. Um, while I love, and we'll get to it, like the long-term storytelling between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, and as much as I love Tommaso Ciampa, all I wanted to see was Johnny Gargano kick the shit out of him. Um, but then I see DIY versus Mustache Mountain. I'm like, I don't care right. who wins. I just want to see these four guys go at it, and it's awesome. So yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. And it's like even the same, um, this happened at Evolution, the old women's pay-per-view that they put on two years ago. Um, we got to see... Uh, Trish Stratus oh I guess it wasn't at Evolution Trish Stratus wrestled as Charlotte I can't remember what pay-per-view it was at and I think I think that was Evolution yeah, yeah yeah I think so as well and granted I want Trish Stratus to win because you know she is in my opinion the greatest female wrestler of all time but it was just really cool to see like that era's best versus this era's best right and I'm like I just want to see a good match and I knew Charlotte was going to win spoiler alert for that when we get to it in years but I was just like I don't care who wins because it's going to be fantastic so anyway um let's give our final grade for, actually let's give our match of the night and our wrestler of the night and of course as usual I will start with you Okay, so my match of the night has to be... I loved how you said my right there, by the way. <laughs> uh, has to be DIY and Mustache Mountain. Um, I think that in terms of my favorite wrestlers from both brands, it's got to be these four guys. Um, again, founding members of both uh, brands, at least in what they are today. Um, I think they're... Extre like this whole match was extremely defining of what Worlds Collide was supposed to be mm -hmm. um, and then of course they all four put on a fantastic match um, and then I would actually say best performer specifically uh, Walter wowed me again like he awesome. th that frog splash was spectacular I was like that large man is that athletic 
to be able to thrust himself off the top rope to do a frog splash. That was astounding. And to be able to, I guess, be that defining member um, and kind of stole the show within the last match, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the main event. Um, so that definitely, the best performer definitely goes to him for me. He also did a leapfrog, which is just so hard yes. to do with a guy his size. Uh, okay, my match of the night, same as yours. I mean, like, we, we gushed enough. That match is perfect. Um, my performer of the night, my wrestler... I want to call it performer of the night because sometimes it's not always going to be someone who right. wrestles. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to kind of blow your mind. I'm going to give it to Matt Riddle for that fucking promo. Yes. Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne yes. for that promo that they did because that was hilarious. So funny. And the crowd ate up the word blunt, which <laughs> is just like, it's so stupid, but it's so funny and it's so well written. And the way that Pete Dunne doesn't laugh as he's doing it when you know it's funny and anyone else would be laughing, but a consummate professional like Pete Dunn's not laughing. So Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn get the performer of the night. And uh, Olivia, what are you giving the show as a whole as a grade? So I would say that this show gets a 4.5 out of 5. It's only blemish being the match between Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm. Uh, I My only note for this is that like this is like wrestling for any like, neck-bearded incel online that's like, I want to watch wrestling. I don't want to watch them talk on the microphone. I want to watch them actually <laughs> wrestle each other. Like, th- this is the shit you should watch then because this was, like, hard-hitting, high-flying wrestling, and that's it. Right. And, like, while there were some, like, great promos in between, like, those were extremely short to the point, you know, were a nice break, a little tiny break for the crowd. Um, but for the most part, like, this show was wrestling. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely agree. Um, I'm not going to give it a 4.5, though. I'm going to give it a 3.5 because of that women's match. Um, and, I mean, I thought the opener was just fine. Like I said, it was, it was a fine match. It wasn't anything great. Um, but it was held up by that main event, by that tag team match, and by that Cruiserweight Fatal 4 match that was also awesome. Um, I'd say check out the show still. I mean, um, it'll take a lot for me to say don't watch a wrestling show. Um, anything above a... Th- a three on is going to be watchable even if there are some blemishes um yeah that women's match just really bummed me out because i love them both and i wanted i wanted more and as you mentioned there was only i mean i guess there was the pre-show match which we forgot to watch but on the main card there was only one women's match which you could have had at least one more um but yeah i'd I'd say 3.5 out of 5 so again i think we're pretty high on our pay-per-views so far this year i don't remember what we gave the horror show at Extreme Rules, but I don't think we were incredibly positive on it. I think, I think it was like a middle of the road. Three-ish, right? yeah. kind of, yeah. Um, but that's it for Worlds Collide. We had a lot of fun watching the show. Um, wrestling's not fake, as you as you heard us say. People got knocked the fuck out in the show uh, unprofessionally, so there's that. Next week, we'll be back with our third in a row NXT show, uh, NXT TakeOver Portland, which took place on February 16th, 2020. And, uh, oh my God, Portland, Oregon. So who would have thought? Um, but until then, everyone, thanks for listening to That's Gotta Be Wrestling. Any closing thoughts, babe? This is wrestling. This is wrestling. This is wrestling. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys.